Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Do you ever find yourself totally frustrated with the way you handle the situation that life hands you that God allows? Whether you give in to the anxiety, the frustration, or anger, whatever it is, it weighs heavily on you because you wanted to do better. You wanted to rise above it. Unfortunately, you feel overwhelmed and felt overwhelmed at the time and powerless, so you were crushed instead of being victorious. You find yourself relying on other Christians to step in for you as if you have absolutely no relationship with God at all. Now, we've all been through this. We've all been there at some point, and certainly during those times, it it absolutely feels nice to know that you can go to other Christian brothers and sisters and ask them to support you through prayer. When you feel as though your prayers don't rise above the ceiling, much less reach heaven, yet each Christian needs to know and understand that the flesh lies to you, to me, and it seeks our failure. But there is a choice to accept or reject those lies that the flesh tells us. Now, as we approach the end of this current age, Jesus warned us several thousand years ago of the types of things we would encounter now, and that appears to be occurring. In fact, these things have been with us throughout history. But he specifically warned us so that we would not be surprised or overcome. Now, in Matthew 24, Jesus warns of the proliferation of deceivers, false prophets, apostles, and teachers that would appear at the end of the age. Their goal would be to sidetrack people, especially Christians, whenever possible, into accepting lies as truth. And by the way, all these false prophets, apostles, teachers, this includes those who claim to be messiahs or those who will come on the scene and claim to be messiah. There are so many lies and deceivers circulating within Christendom now that it is difficult to keep track of them all. Too many Christians believe too many of those individuals and too many lies. Years before the internet was invented, if you can think back that far, if you were alive then, before it was invented and became an integral part of the world's economy, truth was often difficult to find. In fact, few questioned things. We trusted our news sources. My dad watched Walter Cronkite every night. To most Americans, Walter Cronkite was a trusted voice for news. People didn't question him. Decades later, we've learned that not all was what we originally thought it was, and much of it can now be proven to be otherwise. In fact, it has become exceedingly obvious to many that what the world is often told by quote-unquote official sources isn't truth at all. It is merely spin, subterfuge, and outright lies. Now, while there are plenty of conspiracy sites on the internet, that's obvious. As one example, though, it is interesting to note just how many conspiracy theories we heard about and had to deal with in 2022 alone that turned out to be true, as Kim Iverson points out. And I've got links to these in the uh, transcript. So what used to be extremely difficult, if not impossible, for the average person to discover is made much easier because of the Internet, which, while neither being good nor bad, like many things, can be used for good or bad. Powerfully rich people 
want to use it to increase illegal surveillance and control of global society. And Christ warned that that's what's coming. We have that throughout scripture. We know that that's what's coming. But there are people today who seek truth and they use the internet for discovering what's often really going on. There are many honest, intelligent, independent journalists doing their research to find and get the truth out quickly via internet channels, which causes globalists to react in alarm, having to try to get out in front of it, do everything they can to squelch and counteract that truth. And this is often done via mislabeling someone as a bigot, a conspiracy theorist, a racist, or censoring them outright, all of it together. A recent example of this are with the Twitter files released by Elon Musk dealing with what was actually going on behind the scenes, the censorship of certain people who spoke against an accepted government narrative. Now, it turns out the government agencies were actually involved in censoring what was labeled misinformation, whether it had to do with Hunter Biden's laptop now confirmed to be real or anything to do with COVID. This was possible because of the internet. Musk had promised to release more Twitter files on Fauci's communications, so we'll see if and how and why he was lying. Of course, the MSM will step in and spin it to discredit those files. They may also ignore it as if, oh, it's nothing there. There's nothing there, so I'm not going to spend the time dealing with it, that kind of thing. Off-Grid, Doug and uh, Stacy published a video that includes a segment from the UK's Katie Hopkins about 15-minute cities. Now, I've talked briefly about those before, but she goes into more detail and also points out the ways in which globalists direct things throughout society by countering those who are trying to resist concepts like 15-minute cities. Now, in essence, Hopkins knows that the global elite have to pull out all the stops to ensure that they can get done what they need to get done. They need that only their narrative, only their agenda out there. She says they want all of us focused on the minutia of the many situations so that we will be kept from derailing globalist plans and making our own lives better. It's really a segment worth watching and you can, she starts talking at the one uh, minute, 23 second mark. So you'll want to check that out possibly. So the struggle is real and it is ongoing. Now, if you are a Christian, you hopefully understand this struggle. You understand that it exists. It's not fun. It is not pretty, but it is the result of our flesh attempting to dominate us. Christians have to deal with these attempts to overcome us on a daily basis. And more often than not, it doesn't feel good at all because our flesh uses our emotions against us, tries to lead us by our emotions. And that can be emotionally unbearable at times. We wonder what's going on. Where is God? Why don't I feel his presence, etc., etc. These are all things that the flesh, with the help of Satan, try to accomplish within us so that we will doubt God, his power, his presence, his victory in and through us. Now, we might say Job's case, if you're familiar with Job from the Bible, we might say his case was extreme, but we'll go through some of these things, including Jesus. We all go through them. The huge difference between Jesus and us and Job is not for one second did Jesus ever believe he was overcome, nor did he give in to those thoughts. He pushed on 
through the struggle and he literally became the overcomer. He knew what he was up against, unlike Job, and often unlike us. Jesus knew it and he took temptation to the nth degree, never giving into it. He literally went from strength to strength, Psalm 84, 7. And you can also confer Ephesians 6, 10, and 11, and Philippians 4, 11 through 13. In Christ, we can do the same, but only in him, only by his strength. We don't have any strength of our own, not to do that. But what also makes this day and age difficult, besides all of what I've just said, is the very real delusion that God himself said he will send that will overwhelm society so that many will make decisions based on lies and out of fear. This delusion God sends is because the majority of people don't want to receive the gospel of Jesus. They hate truth, 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 through 12. And this delusion can and does impact the lives of immature or spiritually weak Christians as well. Here's the text. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved, therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Doesn't that describe the world today? Most people don't believe the truth and they find pleasure in unrighteousness. It's amazing. Is it any wonder society is on a downward spile, one like described in Romans 1? Christ was never deceived. He was never overcome. However, Christians can and do experience both situations, deception and, you know, defeat. We can be deceived to a point and are not exempt from experiencing emotional problems and difficulties, which also aid in deception and ultimately bring about defeat. We can also be overtaken by lies. Now, at times, lies uh, can seem very overwhelming, and life itself can feel overwhelming, making us feel as though we're up against a powerful enemy with no resources at all at our disposal. Now, when that happens, we can easily think there are no solutions and God is extremely far away. During those times, we naturally want to reach out to other Christians we can find to ask them for prayers. There's certainly nothing wrong with that, but if that's the way we handle every conflict or bad situation that comes into our lives, well, we might want to rethink that biblically. Your relationship, my relationship with God through Christ is an actual relationship, and it is direct with no one having to be mediator, 1 Timothy 2.5. So often we seem to fall prey to thinking that God won't hear me. So I've got to ask you for prayer for me. Then he'll listen, you know, but each Christian can and should go directly to God. Well, it's certainly good and helpful to bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6.2. If we consider the context of that section, it appears that Paul is talking about someone who has committed sin because of their weakness. Paul says that those who are spiritually mature should help restore that person to right relationship with God and others. Interestingly enough, Galatians 6.5, a few verses later, says that, quote, each will have to bear his own load. Unquote. Now, according to gotquestions.com, 
The uh, word load there is translated from the Greek and means an individual burden that is not transferable. The word is in the Greek fortion. Now, in other words, I cannot literally deal or carry a burden that is affecting someone else. What I can do is come alongside them and in essence, try to minister to them, encouraging them with biblical truth while also praying for them that God would help them understand that they possess the strength in him to push on through whatever situation they're facing. While Jesus's suffering was so emotionally great to the point where he sweat drops of blood from his forehead, note that an angel strengthened him, but that angel could not remove the burden that was uniquely our Lord's, Luke twenty-two forty-three. When Jesus faced Satan in the wilderness, Matthew 4, an angel also came to him after the trial to strengthen him by ministering to him. Nonetheless, Jesus still went through those dark and difficult days. And because of it, he learned to exercise his faith in his heavenly father. This is what we as Christians are called and expected to do as well. Now, sometimes we need the help of other Christians, but we need to know that they cannot really share or take our burdens for us. The best they can do is offer some comfort and pray. But the Christian who is going through the situation is obligated to pray as well and also obligated to resist the enemy in Christ's strength and press on, Philippians 3.14. You know, we share burdens with fellow Christians by coming alongside them, encouraging them, praying for them, etc., to serve them in Christ. That's what love is. That's how we love our brothers and sisters. The goal for each Christian, though, is to become mature enough in Christ so that we understand the nature of our relationship with him and that we can go directly to him, trusting him for his outcome. What makes this often extremely difficult is the level of unwanted noise our emotions tend to make, which can be deafening at times. You know, our fallen flesh loves to grab and hold our attention. Once it has it, it sets us off down a path of defeat after defeat after defeat, making us believe that we are worthless and someone whom God has cast off and doesn't even care to listen to, won't even try. That lie is the furthest thing from biblical truth. But what will you choose to believe, your flesh or God's word? And as an addendum to that, if you're not reading his word, then you don't know what his word says. God wants to help and strengthen us. In fact, he has provided the necessary tools for us to successfully fight off the intended blows of our flesh. We also need to remember and realize that our flesh is something Satan uses often, way too successfully to defeat us. It is a terrible thing to fall prey to our flesh, but it happens too often and we Christians are tasked with either rising above that because of the provision and strength of Jesus in and through us to actually be overcomers, or we will sink to very low depths and live completely defeated lives, constantly believing whatever our flesh tells us. And you know what? The choice is ours. Each Christian has to make that choice each and every day. It's not something you can address once and be done. 
I wish, right? You wish. Each new day, we need to make a renewed commitment to fight against our flesh, which seeks to convince us we have no victory, we have no promises we can lean on, and we've got to be fearful of everything in life that comes our way that could change our lives forever. Deliberately turn your back on your flesh and your face toward God. Resist the flesh. Who does not at times worry about their kids, their wife or husband, their job, their mortgage, other loved ones, the economy or something else? Who doesn't worry about those things? These things are part of life, but it is how we react to those things that creates either defeat or victory in and through us. Now, it would be nice if we could do this once and be done, just one fight and it's over. There will come a day in the next life where our flesh will not exist, but for now, it's the cross we bear daily. There wasn't just one fight for the ancient Israelites as they conquered people after people, land after land, in the promised land. It wasn't just one and done. They had to continue, even when they were said to rest because they had done everything. There were still other things they had to do. Other groups of people still came against them and they had to fight them off. They had to gain the the power over those people. An obvious example of how people worry today and are defeated is with COVID. When it was first announced, the fear-mongering used to impose lockdowns, masking, and social distancing was off the charts. We were told then that millions would die from it, so everything needed to be done to mitigate it. Things that were never done in society became the new normal. We were promised these things would keep people safe until a quote-unquote, warp speed, vaccine could be created and released. And we were also told there were no existing drugs that would have any power over CV at all, which was such a horrendous illness, apparently, that a person could have it and not know it, and therefore spread it to others while be completely asymptomatic. People, including many Christians, bought what now appear to have been lies. Two and a half to three years after the onset of that disease and at least a year after the vaccine has been introduced, excessive deaths are off the charts, along with severe adverse reactions. Sudden deaths, myocarditis, pericarditis, strokes, and a host of other adverse reactions are being normalized, but absolutely no connection is made to the mRNA component of the CV jab. It's not even being considered. You can't talk about it. People who cave in to the pressures promoted by the flesh lose wisdom and they lose discernment. Fear and anxiety chase those things away. That's the real tragedy. And too many Christians have succumbed to those fleshly pressures. So what do we do? How do we mitigate the effects of the lies and delusions that are occurring in society on a regular basis and growing? Well, here's a short list. And it's all titled under, really, Abiding in Christ. How do we abide in Christ? How do we get there? How do we continue to trust and live for Him? Well, a number of things. Practice a regular quiet time and look forward to that time with Christ. Quiet time includes and really means reading His Word. Read it every day. Commit some of it to memory. Ruminate on it throughout the day. When making choices, seek Christ's guidance first. Ensure that your relationship with Christ is motivated more by love than by duty or fear. Worship God throughout the day to impact your outlook and experience. 
When God makes you aware of his specific will in an area of your life, follow his leading. Believing that Jesus provides the only way for a relationship with God is the only truth regarding salvation. Ensure that your thoughts and actions demonstrate a desire to please God rather than self. Prayerfully seek peace, contentment, and joy and reject worry and anxiety. And by the way, that's done again through memorization and repetition of scripture to yourself. Preach the word to yourself. And then the last two, learn to trust Christ to help you through any problems you face. Remind yourself, lastly, of God's love and provision during difficult times. You know, failure to do what I've just listed, the seven or eight or whatever they are, bullets here, will result in being tossed to and fro. Ephesians 4.13. If we do not have a basic biblical understanding of who God is and how much he actually loves us, you will flounder. You will flounder and be tossed around by emotions constantly. Constantly. God actually wants you to win. He has provided you tools to do so through Christ our Lord. Failure should not be an option, but if it happens, pick yourself back up and keep going. Ignore, resist the enemy, and he will flee from you. James 4, 7. Well, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. And until we meet again, I pray that God will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 